Welcome to Creative Conversations. I'm Roger Humphrey. In this episode, I'm talking with painter-photographer Carolyn Damstra. We first met a few years ago when her young son began taking lessons with me. Our conversations were always necessarily short, but I enjoyed them, so I was excited when she agreed to be a guest so that we could have an extended conversation. We're joining it in progress. You know, because if it's like, well, what do you want to talk about? I think, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> Come up with a list. It's crazy. It's right. crazy. But so. that's also why I hide in my studio, so I don't have to face that yeah. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that, because I think we all do that, uh, hide uh, in our respective spaces. You know, I, I've talked to writers, and they, that for them, it's, it's, it's hard to find space or time away from the family. Mm-hmm. And so they'll get up early. You know, they'll get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to write. I'm going, Well, I'm not doing that. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to be civilized. <laughs> but, but they, you know, 4 or 5 in the morning, and they, and they, they don't think anything of it. Or they stay up late at night. I'm definitely not doing that. Are you a late night person? Too? Oh, not at all. Oh. No, I'm a total morning person. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I mean, you can see now I'm probably totally different from how I am. <laughs> Even at 5 o'clock, I'm done pretty oh. much. Yeah. I, I, I've never, up until the last few years, I... <laughs> I've never really required a great deal of sleep, uh-huh. and so it, it's not uncommon for me to be up until one o'clock in the morning oh working, and then and then get up at seven thirty. Wow! Yeah, not you me. know, I'm not a morning person like you are, okay, in that regard. But I am a morning person. If mm-hmm. if if I piddle around in the morning, and I'm capable of doing that, if I piddle around in the morning, um, I just feel dreadful the whole day. I just feel like the whole day is shot. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I like to get up and and. I don't get moving as fast as, you know, like back in the day when, you know, when I had to get up and be to work by a certain time because I don't have to now. But, um, but I, I, you know, get up and have that, I'll take that time for that extra cup of coffee, but I'll do that while I'm responding to emails or putting silly stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, so, <laughs> so, but most of my work is done either, the creative work is done either uh, in the morning mm-hmm. uh, or late at night after supper. Interesting. And uh, I, as as far as the afternoons are concerned, if I'm not teaching, I'll take care of administrative things, or uh, that's when I just relax and do other stuff. You know, yeah. I just I can't. I try to practice, and I just I can't seem to focus. It's just not there. Just the whole energy thing is low uh, for that for that type of creativity. Yeah, I don't do anything after five or six, even after four. You're done. Yeah, I don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a low energy person. <laughs> really. I mean, you know, I'm not a type A go go person. Gotcha. Yeah, but I'll get up at and be, you know, productive at eight o'clock in the morning and be going all day. So I, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. gets done. You yeah, know, I, I guess, guess it I wear make, myself out, you know. Yeah, so it does I guess it doesn't you know, the personal schedule is a different thing, but you right. know, it's, but uh, it, it gets done. So so you do you paint every day? Um, not every day. I kind of go in spurts. So I do about 50% of my time is marketing, which a lot of people don't realize with the arts is if you don't do that, then, you know, it's not getting out there. So not, not just marketing, but framing, varnishing, getting supplies, you know, getting it online, taking pictures. 
that kind of stuff that you have to do to maintain your your work and get it out there and stuff so yeah so but um, and I don't paint for long because it's really intense it's so I can only paint for maybe a couple hours at a time I painted for a couple hours this morning and I can feel it in my brain right now <laughs> I mean my eyes my head you know everything and you know I was almost late because I didn't realize you know I was so absorbed in what I was doing and I was like oh no it's 10 30 I had to run over here, so. When I'm when I'm heavy practicing, I'm really heavy practicing. It's that same thing. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll do it, and then um, and I'll stop for a second to catch my breath, and I realize that 30, 45 minutes have gone by, and I really have to take a a short break. I'll get up, go get a glass of water, or just mm -hmm. anything, just to to walk away from it for a second and come back. And it's yeah, it's I don't think people realize uh, how intense. The constant and the focus and the concentration is when you're doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, and so people who don't do that sort of thing, it, especially to visual, visual artists, they always ask, "How long did that take you?" It's always the question you get, <laughs> and we all hate that question. <laughs> hate it <laughs> because how do you answer that? You know, I, I yeah. don't keep track of how long something takes me. I have a vague idea. You know, maybe that took me a couple days you know, a couple, or a week, you know, I can have a vague sense of maybe 10 hours, maybe 20, and each painting's different. So I can't really answer that, but I always want to ask them, why do you want to know? <laughs> why? What does that mean, you know, to you? I don't, I don't know, it's interesting why people always ask that. That, that, that is, I, I never thought of that. That's, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever asked that question. I think only because uh, for me, I know when I'm working on a piece of music, um, uh, it's just never done. I mean, it's <laughs> you, you sort of give up after a while. Say, okay, that's close enough, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, but but it's and I've talked I've talked to other painters and other visual artists, and they sort of have a similar story. It's like you know, you just finally get to a point where it's like, you know, I could probably do more stuff, but it's just more stuff. It's really not going to add to the painting at this point, you know. Well, so. just the opposite; it'll detract from the painting. Sure. You, and we know that that there's a point where you're going to overwork your painting; that you want it to look fresh and not overworked. And I wonder if you can do that with music. Absolutely. Uh, we I see it in the studio all the time with people who uh, are constantly putting extra. You know, we could do this or we could do that, and they. They put everything in but the kitchen sink. Yeah, um, less is more definitely. At, at times, if we take a look at, at the last couple of recordings that Johnny Cash made, his last couple of, uh, of albums with Rick Rubin as a producer, and everything at, th at that point was so, I mean, everything that was coming out was so heavily produced, and still is, but you've got over a range. You've got strings, and you've got horns, and you've got this, and you've got that, and it's all over the place. And Johnny Cash was kind of one of the pioneers of that sound. I mean, he was right in the middle of it for, for a good part of his career. And those, these last couple of albums, and a couple of these songs were just him and a guitar or mm -hmm. him and a piano. That's it, stripped down. And, and they were so amazingly powerful. Uh, when he did Hurt, which is a Nine Inch Nails song, and he made such a hit out of it. And Trent Reznor says, I'll never be able to sing that song again. That's, <laughs> that's a Johnny Cash song from now on. And, and it's it, it, it but it, it's so intense but you don't realize sometimes how overworked some of this stuff is until you hear something stripped away take somebody like a Rick Rubin with a real vision to, to at least try it and say what happens if you know mm -hmm. and um, well I do something some of, one of the last things I do sometimes on a painting is 
Well, I'll, I'll take a break. I always take breaks, and then I come back to make sure it's actually finished. And then sometimes I come back and I hate it. <laughs> That's why it's good to take breaks and come yeah. back. But one of the last things I do sometimes is I take my really big brush, my really wide brush, and I'll go over a couple things with just a couple strokes and wipe out some of the detail with a really big brush stroke just to make it look really loose and fresh. Oh. And it covers up a lot of that detail and people will never know that all that detail's underneath. So that's kind of the same thing you're talking about, you know, just editing it down. And it just makes, people don't know that. They, they, it looks like I just did that from the get-go. Right. But I couldn't have done that unless I had that underneath and thought of it underneath to begin with. Right, yeah. To do that, it to is know a, that that's where I needed to put it and do that. So it's part of the process. It's, I think as, as, as artists uh, who have some experience of this kind of stuff, we develop uh, a knack for that kind of thing. You, you, you know, I don't think a, a young artist would ever think to do that. It, mm -hmm. it takes, you know, uh, it takes some experience and some, some whether it's, you know, working with an, uh, an older artist or, or, or a mentor or just getting in there and doing it and saying what happens if and taking a whack at it. And, yeah, well, and where I learned most of my ability, um, I, I consider myself a self-taught artist, even okay. though I have a bachelor's from MSU and a master's in art history. I have a bachelor's in, in uh, studio art. Okay. But really, the painting techniques that I've learned, I've taught myself. But where I got a lot of my knowledge is from the masters in art, from art history, and from sure. studying so much art history, and looking at their brush strokes, not really from a teacher that taught me directly. And um, so, just, and I still, I, even Instagram right now, I'm on Instagram a lot, just looking at other artists, and just looking at their brush strokes and their techniques, and, and still learning from that. So that's been a great, a great tool for me. And that's the interesting thing about technology and algorithms is if you watch something, then it'll suggest other things that you can listen to. So yeah, yeah, that's you, that you can curate, you know, where you want to go with it and right. then discover new artists. I've discovered a lot of new music lately that I really like. Was that right? Yeah, a lot of great new bands out there that aren't on the radio that I listen to, Calio and Hosier, and I mean they do have popular songs out, but not on you know, what you hear on Lansing Pop Radio. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I tend not to listen to pop radio. I actually tend not to listen to music too much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will late at night before I go to bed, I'll treat myself. And But um, I find in the car, for example, and I've, I've talked about this before, that that um, uh, I've got so much music rattling around in my head that I find the radio or CD or something to be uh, really kind of distracting. Yeah, um, I bet. And yeah. so it's it's uh, I literally I was I had a song on one one night and and uh, uh, had the radio on and I was listening to something and started humming like a, this Beatles song or something and I'm thinking <laughs> you know, I got one thing coming out of the radio speakers and it, yeah but but there's just always music always music going on. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I got music going on. I well, mean, and you're, with your students, I imagine, I mean, that's just a lot of noise around you all the time. Yeah, I'm not listening. That's a different kind of listen, because uh, I'm, I'm listening for the, 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 the aggregate, but I'm also watching for the mistakes, and I'm looking for the places where I can help. 
Yeah. And it's and uh, and the noise though. I mean, it's still a yeah. lot coming in your using your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I drive home at night, yeah, it's usually in silence mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. for that very reason. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. Even I have, when I'm listening to my headphones all day, I'll get tired of it and just take them off. Mm -hmm. It's just too much. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, and, and, and I, I fall short of calling it like pollution or anything like that. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, that's really not it. It's just that there's, it's, it's almost overload, informational overload, things like that. So, mm -hmm. so, and I do find that when I do listen, lately I've been listening less and less to guitar music and more and more to other music, which I really should hmm. be doing anyway. Uh, well, I love guitar music, but I love music in general. I mean, I started off as a singer, and uh, so um, I, I love going and listening to old uh, um, Renaissance and Baroque choral pieces and things like that. You know, so I, I find that I find that interesting. Most people go, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's like, what I did. oh Lord," yeah. you know. <laughs> but 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 it's it's something that I enjoy, and mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and I realize it's kind of a narrow kind of a narrow focus. Popular music on the, uh, on the radio hasn't interested me for a very long time, but, but having said that, um, uh, I will hear songs, uh, again, clients will recommend a song or ask me to play a song, and a song could be 15 years old and I've never heard it before, it's new to me, and I'll go and listen to it and I go, wow. that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, so it's not like I'm anti, but probably 80% of my music listening is probably work-related anyway, mm -hmm. you know, so that, that, that little sliver of stuff you know, I'd rather listen to something that is, I don't know, just intellectually more, I don't want to say challenging because that's not the right word, but I find a little more depth than, than what a, a pop tune would, would, would provide. Most people will listen to music like that as escape, you know, and uh, it's just fun, you know, tap your foot and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I just come at music from a completely different angle, you know, and I, I don't know if it's better or worse, it's just, it just is what it is. So. Hmm. So it's it's funny because the kids will sit here, the, yeah, particularly the teenagers. Do you know this song? No. <laughs> I guess I'm finding a lot of stuff out there that does have a lot of depth and musicality to it. So maybe you're just not finding it. Uh, well, and know. yeah, yeah I have to and send you some stuff. Yeah, and and, and that may be um, the uh, uh, a friend of mine, Mark Deming, uh, is uh, uh, a marvelous writer of, and he uh, has for couple of decades now, as far as I know, written, uh, he writes about um, alternative bands, alt-rock mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, and and I think at one point he was doing like the, the whole punk scene and things like that, you know, and he's a freelance writer and he writes for a variety of different magazines and, and outlets, and, hmm. and um, uh, but, you know, and so, and, and I'm sure uh, that he would argue with me. <laughs> I would argue with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Everybody's got their own taste. I, yeah, and it's and it's not that I, I'm against that, or it's not that I, I don't believe it's there because I do. It's just that that some, a lot of what I've heard I, doesn't catch me right away, and and uh, but you know. And I, I like the poetry of the lyrics too. I'm always looking up the lyrics if I can't hear them clearly, and looking them up and thinking about them, and you know, visualizing them and. And that sort of thing. So I really listen to that. Yeah. The lyrics are something that I that I paid probably more attention to in, in the, the songs that I've played. Even though I'm not singing them, I'm doing an instrumental version of them. I, I, I find that I have to listen to the song over and over and over um, up close and personal. And I do, you know, uh, read the lyrics and listen to the lyrics. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, and yeah, there's some of the stuff. And I've always appreciated that about uh, about pop music and, and country music for that matter is mm -hmm. that 
that uh, the lyrics uh, can have meaning and have depth. Um, uh, I know that when I um, uh, first heard Paul Simon's music, you know, Paul oh, Simon yeah. Garfunkel, and this, this guy just, you know, it's it's amazing to me the the way he can do things, and and that was also one of the things that I always appreciated about the Beatles and a lot of the other '60s bands that you didn't have in the '50s so much. Uh, the '50s rock didn't have that, and the '50s pop music didn't have a lot of that. Uh, although the, the '40s, '30s and the '40s did uh, the the pre-war and the war years. Uh, the you know some of the uh, the lyrics and and just the post-war early stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Rogers and Hart and Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, could, I mean, you know, uh, Lawrence Hart or, or uh, Oscar Hammerstein both could really write some marvelous words. So you had that and a few others, you know, Johnny Mercer and people like that that really, really wrote very well, you know. But then a lot of the music that came around in the late 50s and early 60s was, uh, and not all, I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush, but but a lot of the music, the, the, the lyrics were pretty lame. Really simplistic, yeah. Yeah, ooh, baby, yeah. baby, you know, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm a child of the '80s, you know. But I mean, there was there were some groups, you know, that had a lot of depth. I mean, there's New Order and Nick Cave, and you know, um, The Cure. I mean, some mm-hmm. of their stuff is pure poetry. Yeah, I mean, that stuff is. Last wedding I played, I played music by The Cure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've I've kind of gone back to them lately, enjoying them. Are, are they still out there? Are they still working? I think I the saw something that they I think they were back on road uh, in, in some form yeah. again, some form or another, but I'm not yeah, sure. I'm not sure. So how has technology changed for you since you started doing this professionally? Oh gosh, well it's, well the one thing that really helped me is I paint from photographs. Okay. And so when I first started, well, I've been a professional artist for about, a practicing professional artist for about six years ago now, seven. And um, so I was having to take photographs, get them printed, and working from those. I mean, I, yeah, I could have done it on my computer, but I wasn't really doing that. And also the quality of the photographs weren't as good. So now I just get the photograph loaded up on my laptop and it's really high quality. So that's one thing that's really helped me a lot the quality of my photographs and I've really I mean my Samsung 8 is one of the top cameras on the market for a camera phone for a phone camera and yeah. um, so I just use that I go out and take photographs with that and they're just great photographs that and so that's become part of my art is my photography and I even upload my photos on Instagram and I consider that part of my art um, so I do a lot of hiking and um, up in northern Michigan along the west coast and looking for um, source photos for my art and um, that it's really like the first important part of my art because if I don't get that composition and source photo right I don't have anything to paint and um, so that's key you mm-hmm. know just having that camera just having that phone camera you know a good photography is helped me a lot. Um, do you do any plein air painting or is it? So I've done plein air painting for about the last three or four years I started doing it and it's come a long way. <laughs> but it's still not to me up to the level of my studio art. Gotcha. Yeah and this summer I think I use this summer to really kind of figure that out where I want to go with that 
because it's still not getting me where I need to go. And I, I kind of, so I kind of do a combination where I get started outdoors when the weather's nice, oh, okay. and then I finish it in the studio. Oh, that makes sense. And in the winter, I, I still just do studio paintings. I'm working on a studio painting right now where I just use a photograph. But 90% of the time, um, my studio paintings are better than my plein air paintings. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe... I think I'm up to about half of my plein air paintings are turning out oh. acceptable now. Well, I would think that the light changes as, you, as, you're, as you're sitting there There's outside. a lot of challenges with plein air painting. <laughs> there's weather, there's humidity. Cause I'm oh, I never a, thought of that. Yeah, well, I'm an acrylic plein air painter, okay. which is really rare. Most of them are oil painters okay. or watercolor painters or pastel. So because acrylics dry really fast outdoors. Oh. Yeah, so I have to be a really fast painter, which I am, or else paint when it's cloudy and humid out, which you get a lot of days like that in Michigan. <laughs> so, but on hot, windy, dry days, it's not good. So um, yeah, there's weather, there's light, there's waves, there's wind blowing you all over, you know, there's cold, you know, so <laughs> it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, and people don't know this, but it's a huge group of people in a movement and there's competitions in plein air. Really? Yeah, and there's festivals um, all over. It's really big in the United States especially, but there's week-long festivals that you can go and apply to. Some are juried to get in and some are wow. you just walk on and they take anybody and there's huge prizes for these competitions. Wow. So there's artists that just do this full time and they've gotten really good at it and they can make a really good living just going around and being a player artist. And so I've, I've thought about this as a, an eventual goal, you know, to go and do more of this because it's really enjoyable to be outside and paint. I just like, I love nature. I love being outside. So there's that aspect of it. Um, but you have to reach a certain level to be successful at doing that. You know, because it costs money to apply, you have to travel, you might have to stay in hotels. You know, there's just the wear and tear on your body and, you know, travel and all of that. Plus, so. you got to carry your supplies, which at, at home you can leave those right in the studio and just go out with the camera. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a system for that. We have, there's special equipment you can get, you know, <laughs> you pack it all in a bag and, you know, just put it on your shoulder. And I'm pretty fit. I can drag it around. You know, you have to be kind of a hiker and be fit, so <laughs> it's an adventure. <laughs> we have stories, we have war stories. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm part of a plein air group here in Lansing, and um, I love it because being an artist is really isolating. You know, you're alone in the studio, so um, every Thursday we go out to a different location in Lansing and, and paint, and it's just nice to have that camaraderie and yeah. paint together, so we've become a, a nice close group. and. It's just really fun to be out in nature, and sometimes my paintings turn out, sometimes they don't, you know, but it's still a great time, so. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I've just gotten two opportunities in the last couple of weeks. I've got volunteered for two exhibits from two of my artist friends, which was so nice, you know, and great, but, you know, I've, I've done things for them, and that's just karma coming around, so. It's, yeah, it, 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 it is, it's, it's, people helping people and that's how you're successful mm -hmm. you know I, I was surprised I had heard horror stories about the music business when I was a kid 
And when I came, moved to Lansing and started getting involved around here, I was just genuinely surprised, pleasantly so, mm-hmm. at just the, the, the musicians in this town and just how uh, helpful and, and they are and, you know, free with their information, free with, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge. Uh, you know, Same was, with visual artists. Visual artists, I mean, they're, di- they're the nicest people you'll ever want to meet, honestly. I mean, they are. We are not competitive at all, even in the plein air festivals. Where it is, com- you're supposed to be competitive. We're all helping each other out. Sure, and, sure, and that's yeah. the best part of it. That's yeah. that's the best part of it. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's that's that was the thing that always impressed me about uh, the the music scene in this in this town. I'm glad to hear that's the same way in the mm-hmm. visual arts as well. You know, so, but it's it, it is. It's just um, I'm I'm really. Uh, and I've told this to other people. I'm very pleasantly surprised and happy uh, that some of these guys even talk to me because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I never thought of myself as being a very good musician, and and uh, and so you know, it's but they they do, and I'm I'm grateful for that. So yeah, the media portrays this as all being egotistical, and it couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. No, for the most part, I think most of us are very much not egotistical. Yeah. We we tend to be, uh, uh, you know. What's the word I'm looking for? To shy a little bit, and also very, very self-critical. You know, we beat beat ourselves up better than anybody else could. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's. I was. Uh, I'm surprised when I do a, a recording. It used to be with CDs, but even now, like if I put something out on, just put it out on YouTube or something like that, and I'm always surprised at the numbers. You know, because I think this is something that people really like, and I'll put it out there, and I get like three people. You know, and I'm related to all of them. <laughs> you know, that's same, like, oh, same. you know, you know, and then I'll put something else. Like, eh, I'll put this out there just for you know, and it'll get like tons of same. Uh, it's like, and that's also why I like posting things on Instagram and Facebook because it gives me that kind of feedback. Yeah, yeah. So I know what people react to, and I'm like, huh, you know, they really reacted to that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's not about feeding my ego. It's about getting that feedback. Yeah, so I can yeah. learn from it. Yeah, but you're right. This, if if you're an artist, you better get uh, make friends with the idea of of solitude real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm used to that. Art's been my my savior for that. Definitely. Has it? Yeah, yeah. Even as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, and oh. art was kind of my my way of coping with that because I my mom was a waitress and okay. a bartender, so she worked at night. Uh-huh. And um, so I was basically left alone oh. from when I came home from school. She went to work, and I and I put myself to bed. Gotcha. And so I had the TV and a sketch pad to entertain myself with. Gotcha. And so I put in my 10,000 hours, you know, <laughs> before I was 10, you know, just doing that. And in school, too, that was my kind of my identity at school, you know, as the artist. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's also why I think um, keeping the arts in school, you know, mm. is so important just to give, you know, those weird kids, you know, just one more thing that they can, that they can do, you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that other than I think that, that the society at, at large has got us convinced that if you're not a STEM kid, Right, science, right. technology. If you're not a STEM kid, um, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've been around um, my whole life. Uh, I've been around the, the country club set. 
and uh, uh, they're nice people, but I think of them as weird. I, I don't know why. Oh, well, yeah, you, everybody's weird. Right, yeah. you know, so I just, I just, so the, the, I've always, that's one of the purposes of this was that the, 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 the artsy people that I've, I've met in my life have been the best conversationalists. I've had more fun hanging out with people like that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have since I was old enough to start having conversations, I think. By the, by the time I was, you know, in junior high school, we didn't have middle school back then. By the time I was in junior high school, um, you know, I, my friends, I mean, I had friends I'd known my whole life and were still friends. But, but it's surprising the, the, the number of new friends that I made always tended to be the kids who were involved in the arts. And the people I hung out with were, of course, guitar was a big thing back then, the folk music stuff and all that stuff. And, so we were all playing the Peter Paul and Mary songs from oh, Bob really? Dylan. Oh yeah, you know, and that was that was that was great fun. So, huh. but but yeah, I just I never really got into uh, the heavy party scene. Uh, I'm not saying I didn't go, but it, it wasn't it wasn't something that was a, a regular part of my life for sure. And well, anything that you know you can give kids to do to keep them busy. Right. You know, the studies have shown will keep them away from. The other Things they shouldn't be doing, you right. know. You can keep them busy and not bored. So. So yeah, I I just kind of you know for me the it was always it was always the, uh, the music. Uh, well, actually, music was my art, but I I was really in love with all of it. You know, I've had my hand at at, uh, at acting and. Oh and really? Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm not good at it, but I've, I've you know <laughs> done you know done a little theater here and there and and. Um, uh, and I started off as a singer, so it was natural to kind of do like a little, uh, you know, in high school, I certainly was, you know, doing the school musical and stuff like that. Um, but, but friends who, who write, uh, two, of the, two of the interviews that I've already posted, uh, the conversation I've already posted, are old friends of mine that are both writers. One mm-hmm. has written uh, books and uh, the other one writes poetry. And, and marvelous poetry, just absolutely, you know, and it's, it's the kind of stuff, these are short poems, and they're just absolutely lovely, and it's and she posts like a new one almost every morning. She's one of these real early morning. I need risers. to look that up. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love poetry. I just don't make time for it. Yeah, and so yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give you her her uh, Facebook address, but uh-huh. it's actually it's just it's it's uh, Sandy Backus Foster and uh, and I think author okay. is at the at the back of it, and uh, and that's like her um, artist page where you can just go in and like it, and uh, but. But yeah, and it's these. It's for me. It's just a lovely way to start my day. I go online and open up Facebook. Open up my email first. Take care of business. And I go to Facebook, and usually one of the first things I'll run into is her daily post. I'll just sit there and take yeah. a moment. And it's like, gosh, what a nice way to start the day, you mm-hmm. know. And I've known her since kindergarten for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anybody I've known since kindergarten. <laughs> well, small town. Yeah. You know, we. You know, yeah, we, I moved around. Did you? Well, not really. I just slipped, grew up in Grand Rapids and oh. got the heck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an expat Dutch girl. So. <laughs> That's funny. Escaped. Yeah. So, well, the art scene there is pretty good. It's a pretty solid art scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Lansing's had a nice art scene too. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Different. So. Yeah, two different communities. Oh, wow. absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize. You know, growing up in a small town, and then I, I lived in Tokyo for a couple of years, and then, and then eventually moved here, landed here. I just thought, you know, the town that I grew up in was very, very blue collar. You know, so moving to Lansing, which is a very blue collar city, mm-hmm. 
and and I, I never really gave it much thought. You know, it's just it was for me. It was just a very natural place to move to, just bigger than what I was what I was used to. And uh, going to concerts, uh, you'd, you'd walk into a symphony or something like that. And you'd see people in you know sweaters and slacks and maybe a sport coat. You know, the guys. You know. And uh, the ladies maybe are wearing dresses or skirts, and, and, and then again, maybe not, you know. Uh, and uh, went to a concert in Flint at, at Whiting Auditorium. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and get there, and the, 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 the gentry are rolling up in limousines, and, and the ladies are wearing furs and, and decked out oh, in diamonds. Back and, in and the I, day, right. Yeah, and it's but it well as if it was back in the day, but this was only like a decade ago. Oh really? Yeah. I mean yeah, it wasn't like it was back in the fifties. Well, it was like you know some money in Flint, definitely. And so yeah. but I thought, wow, you know, it's just this I felt seriously underdressed. Oh. <laughs> well, Flint has a rich cultural scene that a lot of people don't realize. I spent a lot of time in Flint. I have a couple friends there. I guess their, I did. their art scene is Richer than Lansing's, I would say. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we have the Flint Institute of Arts and some galleries and a lot of things going on there because of that. And See, it's a lot of foundation money. Yeah, and I'm grateful for, um, uh, you know, like the, the uh, government agencies that help fund the arts. You know, they don't like it at times. They grumble about it. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, it's, it, it helps the community a lot. You know, to, to do that kind of stuff, and uh, uh, and I don't think the people who are funding it understand that. They think that they're just uh, uh, writing a blank check to spoiled artists who don't know what real life oh, is. Oh, there's or a huge under lack of understanding yeah. of yeah where that funding goes and what it does. Yeah, it, it specifically targets underserved communities. It targets education programs. It it rarely goes to directly to just artists doing art. It goes to programming for right. nonprofits. Right, yeah. probably more so than anything else that I've seen, you know. And, yeah. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I was part of the Mini Grant Review Board for a while. And, oh, really? And, yeah. uh, um, uh, and so I got a chance to peek behind the curtain a little bit. And mm -hmm. that, was, that was what I noticed was just how much of this was going to help, you know, underserved communities. Uh, and you know whether it's you know doing it or participating in it or uh, you know just forking over tickets so the kids can go and watch something that they normally wouldn't get a chance to watch and things like that. Yeah, so. I wish every child had the opportunity to take private lessons like yeah. I'm able to give my child with you. Uh -huh. I mean, I think that the impact on a child's brain is just amazing. Just to have that. I mean, a, a lot of children do get that in schools, but it's different when you're in a huge class setting and just getting that once or twice a week right. versus, you know, getting that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, learning an instrument and working on that part of their brain, especially for some kids. I've, I've just seen it directly, and I know, you know, what it did for me growing up. I mean, I just wish we could fund all that. I know we can, but, you know... <laughs> Right. It's just amazing. Well, I th I've thought often about um, uh, everything goes towards science and technology and all this kind of stuff without without any thought put into um, creativity, mm -hmm. what it takes to be creative. And so the science and technology stuff, if it's not matched up somehow with with a certain ray of creativity, 
you know, it's just stuff at that point. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just it's just rote technology and rote uh, science. You know, without without being able to think in in different terms, it's that creativity that's given us the best inventions of the last two hundred years. And and to take that stimulus, which I, I think of as, as art and music and 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 theater in school and things like that, any of these kinds of things, even if it's, I mean, I was part of a. a, a uh, the drama club when I was in school, and it was extracurricular. You know, you you got to do that. I, I did that instead of sports because I was like the world's worst athlete. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and and uh, so I could do theater. I you know I could go on stage and I could be a ham and I could goof around and things like that. And and um, uh, uh, but that that experience, I don't think anybody. I I sit here with kids all day. And I'm not expecting these kids to go on and be professional musicians. Mm -hmm. That's not the point. The point is to 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 light a fire under that 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 creative part of their brain, and you know, and, and get it cranked up so that when they do the things that they want to do, that they can do the the stuff they have to do, but that they can also look at a problem maybe from a different angle and be creative, or or say, well, what if we did this? You know, that that to mm -hmm. me is that to me is important. And when I see the the way that it, things are being taught right now by rote, pass the test, you know, that kind of stuff. There's no creativity in that whatsoever. And employers are complaining yeah. about that. When I, I worked at um, the state, I sat in with the workforce development people. Yeah. I wasn't part of them, but I sat next to them and heard about the problems that employers were saying were happening. And one of the things they complain about is that they have to retrain the workers when they come in, that sure. workers want to be told what to do, that they can't think for themselves. Well, if you want to get somebody to think for themselves, hand them a blank canvas and say, <laughs> come up with something. You do that with, with older kids and they panic. Yeah. They hate it. And same with um, these a really honors AP kids that get to college. A lot of them don't do well because they've gotten to that point because they're really good at doing what they're told and checking boxes. And they get to college and professors expect them to just process knowledge right. without being told how to do that and exactly what to do. And employees are really complaining about that. And, that, and a lot of that comes from the lack of arts in the schools and the emphasis on that. <laughs> it's Are we out of time? So, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I would, I guess, I would agree with that. That that's that's that can be a real serious problem, you mm -hmm. know, with that. And I see it, you know, I with the little kids. The little kids are want to try, you yeah. Know, and yeah. and but boy, if they get to adolescence, is, yeah, is, is they they turn that off, man. And, you know, unless they're used to doing it. They, they tend to just walk away from that and turn that they off. They get really nervous about it. They want to be told everything and how to do it, and they don't. They get nervous about being wrong, and they get perfectionism. And I've seen that in my own children. You know, they're horrible perfectionists. So afraid of being wrong, and anxiety is anxiety issues are just really through the roof. And kids being medicated for it. Yeah, and so one of the things that I do with kids. Um, uh, and your son is a good example. You know, so I'm I'm an idiot. No, you're not. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you know, and they will they, they will they will use that line. And I come right out of the chair. You are not stupid. Mm -hmm. You're not an idiot. There's nothing wrong with you. You know that fear. And you know, and, and and so they they know. I mean, I think sometimes they say that. Uh, well, for whatever reason they say it, but 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 they they know that 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 just doesn't fly in here. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, a young girl that was taking lessons from me uh, years ago, and f- fiercely independent in her own way, but she was still a teenager, right? You know, and um, so <laughs> anyway, I was having her work on a song, and she says, "Oh, I can't do that." I was showing her the technique. She says, "I'll never be able to do that," you know. <laughs> And I just looked at her and I mocked her. I said, oh, I can't do that. That's too hard because I'm just a girl. And oh, Ooh. man. I mean, she... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you knew how to get her. <laughs> about five minutes later, she was doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have a way about you, Roger, of just knowing each child and exactly how to motivate them. Well, not, not <laughs> always. I, I, I try, but boy, I'll tell you, I got her going. I mean, she... <laughs> <laughs> she was ready to slug me. Boy, she, I'll show you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Playing dirty. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to. Yeah. But, but I won't let them beat themselves up like that. Oh, know? no. Yeah. And sometimes my son does it. He, he doesn't really mean it. It's almost a joke at yeah. this point. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But, uh, but, <laughs> but at the same time, I, my feeling is if I don't correct it immediately, he'll, right. think, he'll think that I'm agreeing with him. It's almost a reassurance. Yeah, I guess, yeah and I think we all need that, right? So, yeah. but <laughs> Like a ha-ha, I'm stupid. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Although I say that about myself all the time. Actually, most of the jokes I make in here uh, and most of the stories I tell tend to be self-deprecating for mm-hmm. that very reason. I, I, I don't ever want my students to, I want them to respect me, but I don't want them to be afraid of me. Mm-hmm. So if Roger makes these mistakes, I guess it's okay I can make these mistakes. You know? mm-hmm. And so to me, that's, that's, that's an important part of it as well. So, mm-hmm. And not just the kids, the, the adults too. Well, Lanigan said something to you, and he, he could have said it a little bit more politely, but I thought it was kind of profound about how sometimes being too perfect is not perfect. When he was playing his guitar. Right, yeah. It, and, he, and he said it. He was insulting you, actually. He said that you play things too perfectly, and he <laughs> plays them better than you because he, he doesn't play them perfectly. But I know what he was saying, that sometimes, you know, when you're trying too hard to play it too exact, you don't get, you know, like the emotion of it or something like right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah, but it is kind of the same thing. Things aren't, you know, natural or have mistakes in them. They're artificial, you know, and we're all human. Which so. is why you take some of the details out of your paintings. Exactly, yeah. I don't want it to look like a photograph. Right. No, I can go, everybody can take a photograph. So I want people to see the paint. I want them to see the mistakes that aren't, you know, mistakes. It's showing my process, you know, and uh, so that they can kind of understand nature or, or vision or, you know, the mood or an emotion or something but like that. But they can see that rather than your technique. So that so that they're looking at the scene, they're looking at the painting, they're looking at the mood more than they're looking at. Oh my God, I can't believe she did this or she, you know, how mm-hmm. I, this is really good here, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's just they get they they start getting too analytical. That's with music. I hear I see a lot of that. You know, people start picking apart with the technique. And mm-hmm. It's like where's the song? So Lanigan, right. Lanigan would be right. Yeah. Yeah. That was every bit as enjoyable as I had hoped, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Please take a moment and visit her website, that's carolindamstra.com, and please join me again on Creative Conversations with Roger Humphrey.